GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I'm your host, Ariel Frame. And I'm your co-host, Laura Munoz. Um, today, we are welcoming uh, a guest who is a PhD student uh, in the music program, Patrick Wong. Welcome on the show. Hi. Um, Patrick, uh, we... W- haven't had a number of people on the music program so we're always intrigued to hear about uh kind of how that program differs from other programs um can you give us a general feel for what what are you what are you doing in your phd program at the moment oh yeah sure um despite i you used to work as a music producer, but I'm more doing in the field of musicology. So that is basically, I would say dissertation writing. And um, what I'm interested in or what my college will usually do are like, for example, doing the analytical studies of any musical work, or for me, I do historical studies and some may be interested in let's say music as a culture, and its relation to um, politics and gender, etc. So, I I'm rather like musicology, and I'm interested in music history. I I just wanted to say I'm I guess I'm not it's not clear to me exactly what musicology means. If if it's is it just the study of music in general, or does it mean something more specific about the study of music? I yeah I would say that some. Um, to my own understanding, so musicology will be the study of music itself. So the pr- the produce would be mainly like the academic papers. So this kind of like a general term, but it I would say deferred it from like music performance or conducting or composition. So we we don't create those or we don't kind of play those musical pieces, but which kind of analyze it in various aspects. So I would say theor- theoretical oriented field. I think that's super interesting. And you mentioned that you like uh, to do history of music. And I was wondering which kind of records do we have of ancient music? Like how, do, how, do, how did they record that music or how can you study something if there, there are no records? Oh yes, that that's a great question. I, I like it, and um, it really depends on the time. Like, um, for instance, if that's in the medieval period, like in the early medieval, in let's say eight ninth century, the West only have some very basic music notation. So those medievalists are lucky that we we always have some kind of record that we know how the music sounds like. But for me, sometimes it will be unlucky that if I study, let's say, things that is a thousand years before that, what we can rely on will be, for example, the archaeological finding about what the fragments of the instrument look like and how the instrument or how this performance scene was found in the ancient paintings or ancient statue. So those gives us some like indirect idea. And also we always read those kind of ancient records about like what about those writers wrote about music and to kind of extract those information about how those music would look like, even though we don't have much uh, directed source. Has, a, has anybody uh, looked at that 
um, historical record um, tried to make one of the instruments and then and then play it now? Oh, yes. Yes, they do. Like, um, I used to be in like some academic associations and there are members like there is one called Moisa. So it's basically the study of ancient Greek and Roman music. And there are some experts that some of them are good friends of me that they do the reconstruction of that musical instruments and also try to perform in those ancient style, like as to the best of our knowledge so far. That's awesome. And how do they look like? How do they look like these instruments? And which kind of materials? Materials, for example, because I guess they won't have as much access, let's say, to iron or like other precious metals. So I will wonder, like, I I wonder how those uh like instruments were created, which kind of materials? Because I guess the materials will also impact how the actual instrument sounds like, right? Oh yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, I would say that so 2000 years before definitely means that um, we don't have much industrial product as today. So many of them would be like based on, I'll say, uh, it is easy to imagine that they may have something like something similar to a harp that you only have, uh, let's say, wood as a frame and then use um, the animal gut for the strings. Uh, some like in ancient Greek, uh, in the ancient Greek people also make some sort of lyre, like or harp, by using the turtle shell, for example. And for we also have some wind instruments. So they are mainly made by wood or bamboos, something if you're lucky. And sometimes they use animal bones. So I would say for those instruments, and you would have that in. Just in some more like biological based material we have and some it's, it doesn't have much difference regarding that, but the only thing would be it is more difficult to uh, create an ensemble because at that time those music musicians may make their instruments themselves, so there is not a regular size, so that's unlike today. I, just in that matter, I when I was reading through your work, I had one question and is like what is music like how do you define when music is music because you said that there were musicians right but can you call for example a singer or like a woman that was like cleaning something or like preparing food or like i don't know doing something and then that she will sing and will you call her a musician as well or wh when do you when do you say that a sound is music i got it um that would be, if I try to be super serious on that, this will be a tricky question, but because of the, the term music do have like a cultural context and it kind of differs in different culture or if even different era. So uh, just to simplify the question, I really like the idea by the ethnomusicologist that saying music is the, how is it, humanly organized sound. So. But for my uh, idea or for my research on ancient music, because we just have so little evidence, so everything about how human makes sound, how they use that sound or music or voice, whatever, to amuse themselves or to use in a kind of social context, we include all of them. Wow, that's, that's cool. It's quite an endeavor to try and study something 
that you have uh, so little actual information about. You probably have to search so many records. I'm not really sure actually where you search, but um, but you know, I'd like to know sort of where you get your information. But I, I'm also intrigued by this this added terminology that we've now learned. Uh, in addition to musicology, we now have ethnomusicology. How does appending the word ethno in front of musicology change the meaning? Oh, yeah. So um, I, I finished my master's in ethnomusicology. So hopefully I am able to answer. And um, I would say it is, um, it is more like, um, it is more like a definition of different discipline just for I'll say just for our higher institution to build up the faculty but besides that um, there are just mainly different historical traditions of these two fields and ethnomusicology mainly study the non-western music at the very beginning because at that time we have the general musicology which is mainly interested in western music from the middle ages then to classes classical period to the romantic period so those because musicology already like the term has already been devoted to musicology so the ethnomusicology comes to be a new coined term that initially talking about the study of non-western music and for their research approach they prefer for example they prefer field work they want to go to a site to a different ethnic group and then to let's say record their music and to know about music in the context of their culture so i would say their methodologies are both very useful and they kind of uh, affect each other but just for the definition of musicology and ethnomusicology it's highly depends on the history of how they developed well that's cool that you you sort of did address in that answer where you get the where you get your your information right you said mm -hmm. ethnomusicology tends to go in the field and musicology tends to i guess look at at books or records i'm not not quite sure so i guess it begs the question where do you get your information now now that you're you know you've got your master's in ethnomusicology and now you're studying something related to that as well um yes i do so in my case, like because of the material so little and I have to have whatever I could have. But um, unfortunately, I because something happens 2000 years means that I'm not able to visit the site. But for ethnomusicology, I still like understand, I still get some sense about, let's say, if there are reconstructed instruments instruments like uh, exhibited somewhere or there are like some of my colleague may made reconstructed instruments i would try to kind of interview them because they may they know the performing of the instruments much better than me so which means despite we are both not ancient people but my colleague who knows the instrument very well will provide me some very useful information about how to at least more correctly understand the musical culture so that's what I learned from ethnomusicology, at least. That that's so like cool. And then you you mentioned that you also you are also interested in like the effects or how uh, music interacts with uh, the philosophical thinking and political thinking of a of a given culture. So now I was wondering if you were studying ancient music <laughs> or like history of music. So how do or, or what have you discovered about their relationship with politics or philosophy? 
Oh yeah, sure. So um, there are several traditions, but I, my only challenge is try to f use less words to conclude it. But um, for my current uh, field of interest or my current understanding of it, like in ancient Greek periods, there are a lot of writings by, let's say, Plato and Aristotle that they talks about music has the function to purify the soul. So therefore, they think good music will kind of coin good people and also for good politics. So this ensures that music has a kind of significant function on education. And this tradition has been kind of learned from the medieval scholars that they have the seven liberal arts, that music is one significant part of them. And it is also related to various fields by, for example, the Pythagoreanism discovered the relation between music and mathematics is because like if you have the two different length, uh, length of strings, they produce a certain musical interval. So they have the length is a kind of mathematical figure. So such relation also ensure that music can be like, they understand it as music as a kind of important factor of the society that um, everything could kind of, everything could be considered harmony if we follow the kind of correct ratio. So there are things like that. I guess it begs the question then, what's correct? Because I mean, I feel like it's uh, pretty evident that people differ in what they think is good music or what they like to listen to. And it makes me wonder, you know, well, how, how does uh, coming from this perspective that, you know, that math is, is integral for, for, for assessing me, uh, good music, how do you determine how do you determine what's what's good music and then if you go from the perspective of like uh music is a, to cleanse the soul well if somebody does that mean that someone who likes music that you think is bad is 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 less cleansed or uh, how sorry i'm asking two questions simultaneously why don't we just say uh how do we determine through any lens uh what is good music yeah, sure. So there is no answer for that because during no matter in um, the antiquity or in modern in our time, like the idea of good music and bad music is highly subjective. So um, the ancient people tend to have the idea that simple music will be good because if music comes too complicated and you, it may be like they, for example, they don't want the uh, the rulers or the let's say the emperors or kings they don't want them to fully enjoy music because that's a waste of time so the good music in that sense will be something that doesn't make people addicted so that would be one criteria which is kind of independent to let's say the melody or harmony that sort of te technical stuff but it is more like a feeling and another thing is about the the kind of situation or the cultural context uh, for example, we have some dance music that is with a very strong beat. But when there are ancient like rituals, or if there are, let's say, some kind of let's say important situations that you need to play music, you won't play that sort of music because everyone is shaking their legs. 
So in that sense, we want something like simple or sometimes, um, how can I say, even not, not that melodic or rhythmic to ensure this music kind of, according to those philosophers, works well to the society. So I would say it's generally quite subjective. Uh, so according with the uh, studies that you've done so far, uh, I see that you're interested in different type of cultures and the, produ the musical production of different cultures. Ha which differences have you found that are remarkable so far? Oh, there are too many. And some, I would say, for example, it's there are definitely a lot of uh, general features, general similarities between, let's say, in my field, ancient Greece and ancient China. There are a lot of similarities. It's mainly based on how people how people understand music could be kind of like in a similar tradition. But the main difference are maybe minor, but compared to the compared to the general similarities. For instance, I would say um, the ancient Chinese people consider that music is um, is a strong medicine. So it can the five basic notes of the ancient Chinese uh, in the ancient Chinese music system will be related to five human organs. So that's why they consider this is a way of how the universal harmony will be about. You have five notes and five human organs, and you have the five moving planets in the heaven. So they relate those. Um, ancient Greek also have the idea that music could be medicine, but it is more like music purifies the soul. So it is not the kind of actual medicine writings that would specify music has such specific function. And also, so the practice of, let's say, music therapy in ancient Greece is, I would say, not that popular to China. So this reflects the kind of fundamental difference of the understanding about, let's say, about music and human body. It, it's really interesting to hear about uh, parallels between these ancient cultures that, I guess, for all we know, I, I don't know, uh, don't, didn't really have any contact. It's like, how did they, how did they come to these similar ideas uh, when they were never really speaking with each other? Um, it makes me also wonder were there more? <laughs> Are there any other, like what is the oldest, most ancient culture of music we know of? And uh, do any, are any of them also similar in this way? Oh yeah, so uh, honestly, I will say a large part of this question's answer would be, I don't know, but um, to the best of my current knowledge, we now do consider that the ancient Mesopotamian civilization would be the oldest, at least, because they have the written records about music. So at least we have something like really written by those people that's like three, 4,000 years ago. Um, ancient Egypt may have something, but I don't know much about their writing. But uh, ancient Mesopotamian and ancient Egypt are both like earlier than ancient China and Greece. So we know a bit about how the Mesopotamian music culture may have been kind of transmitted to the early Greek practice. We have little evidence. We don't know much about where the Chinese people learned that from. We, we may think it is probably they, they developed themselves. 
So, but uh, we only know like this is another terribly difficult field because we have even less material than ancient Greece and China. Would the mathematic mathematicians say that um, you know if you analyze the music closely enough uh, that that these sorts of uh, interpretations would be inevitable just because the mathematics dictates that it it, it must be interpreted this way? Uh, yes, I remember there are some writings in the in Mesopotamian civilizations that is about the tuning of a harp or a lyre. So I think they mention about the mathematical ratios, despite not as clear as what the Pythagoreanism will will be for that we know about we'll be talking about. So and another thing is the extreme scarcity of the material is because we only have a few clay tablets from the Mesopotamian cultures, but uh, ancient for ancient Greece we may have lots of treatises and also some sort of later receptions. The Roman writers write about what they know about Greek people, and the, and the medieval people also write about Greek. But that's not the case for Babylonian, and we have let's say just a few tablets, few uh, primary sources for that. Unfortunately, that's interesting, and that makes me wonder about like there must be there has to be other like other cultures that have created music because I when I like see the world I see that humans are always trying to like reconstruct like nature for example so I can imagine that in different places there are birds that sing differently and then humans will try to replicate for example those those sounds and will create music or can you even call uh, the sing of a bird music <laughs> because you before uh, mentioned that music is an organized sound made by humans but can you call a bird like a musician <laughs> um that will come to something even earlier that we we may only have a little bit of the archaeological records that we don't have any written we don't have any written text or any like later receptions of it yes uh for the kind of boundary of how the the field of music may be yeah that will be really tricky and um also it kind of differs from different scholars um let's say for the prehistoric time we do have let's say the bone whistles that human is trying to imitate the bird sound just to do the hunting for example so this is what we guess because we what we only have is that we have the excavation site and we got a few bone whistles and we blow it and it sounds like a bird sound so we guess this is for hunting so that's the only thing we know and by that mean you could say at that time music has a more like practical purpose rather than a symbolic function as as what later developed it is highly kind of highly skeptical so far and highly uh, i'll say not skeptical i'll say this is still based on surmising we are still just guessing a lot of things and whether or not this is called music i tend to say it is like it is some sort of when you made this instrument and this music was produced according to some sort of like human creation and some um, but unfortunately, again, so we have such little evidence and this is all hypothesis so far. Um, Patrick, can you tell us, uh, you know, you've, you've put in a lot of many years now of studying um, 
music in this way. And now you're quite committed and you've got this program uh, and it's, it seems uh, really intriguing what you're, what you're working on. Uh, what, uh, what got you interested in, in this, uh, in this type of work? Oh, yes. So uh, my personal story is basically that I, I was hired by, not hired, I, I was like a music producer that I used to compose some music for, let's say, videos and games. And sometimes I've asked to like compose something, let's say, sound like ancient Greek. I know it is not true, I have to imagine. And but when I try to find the anything online, any available source online and to know how ancient Greek music really looked like, I, I just get interested in how like what the scarcity of material and how we can imagine or what we can know based on that. So this moves me from like composing music to really like reading those ancient books. Um, then I think you will always have the question for even any musicians that what is the origin of music. So I am interested in something as old as possible, and I partly come through this topic. So, I so think somehow I'm somehow I'm imagining you have a bone whistle somewhere, and you've learned to play it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe yes. <laughs> what uh? What uh? Do you play any instruments um, where if somebody wanted to go on the internet and find your work, maybe your work that you've did before for video games or your current work, uh, where could they go? Uh, I have a SoundCloud play page, although like I, I think I haven't updated for some years, three, four years at least. Um, I play piano, but uh, just like a terrible level. So I never post any of my piano performance online. I use it as a tool for if I need to record record something that I'm sure that I could modify the notes, then um, yeah, I use the, a MIDI keyboard to input. So that requires a little bit of piano skill. Excellent, well, thanks. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll drop a link to your SoundCloud uh, and people will take a listen to what you have on there. Um, and, uh, and people can listen to that maybe <laughs> while they listen to also you talk about the, the study of music. But uh, anyway, thank you so much, Patrick, for thank you. coming on the show. Thanks so much. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Ariel Frame. My co-host was Laura Minos, and we've been speaking with Patrick Fung. Um, this episode was also produced simultaneously by Laura Minos. And if you are listening to us and you're wondering, you know, how can I get involved? You know, how can I learn more about GradCast? Well, you can email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all social media uh, at GradCast Radio. Um, and you can listen to more of our episodes um, on uh, our website, gradcast.ca, or on the radio, Radio Western 94.9 FM, uh, or really any podcast app like Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, we're available on all of those as well. Um, certain episodes we also have on YouTube as well, uh, also Gradcast Radio. So um, thanks for listening and have a great night.